Hello and welcome back to this week's podcast, uh, 15 Minutes on the Couch. I appreciate you guys um, joining me every week as we talk to these professionals and different individuals about mental health and different topics and areas that affect our mental wellness and learning so many different things from individuals from so many backgrounds. I have been enjoying it. And according to you guys, you have been enjoying it as well. So that is awesome. Thank you again. Um, this week we have on Quinn G. She is a licensed therapist and she has been practicing psychotherapy since 2014. Quinn identifies as cisgender, queer, and uses the pronouns she, her. She is also the founder of Hey Black Girl, a division of Magnolia Mental Health that focuses on the emotional, physical, and spiritual health of Black women. Her areas of professional focus include women's issues, intersectionality, healthy sexuality, gender identity, sexual orientation, and race-based trauma. And without any further ado, let's get into this interview with Quinn. So, Thank you, Quinn, so much for joining us today with 15 Minutes on the Couch. We are so glad to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me, Amber. So let me start by asking you, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she and her, and what are yours? She and her as well. So some people, I get a lot of questions about that. Um, even friends and family are asking, like, what are pronoun like when when people ask you that like what are your pronouns like what is that what does that mean well you know I mean like from English 101 right pronouns so like it they she her you know like in mm -hmm. the absence of saying someone's name how will you identify them in a sentence or in conversation mm -hmm. and it's important for the LGBTQ community because there are people especially um people like the T part which is transgender uh, there are people in that community that's a big umbrella who may use different pronouns from what you originally know, knew them as, or people may use they, them pronouns or prefer no pronouns at all. So it's always important to make sure that you know how you should talk to someone as you're addressing them. Mm -hmm. um, the difference is similar, but not definitely not the same. Like when you're talking to cis women, cisgender women, um, and I'm from Mississippi, so if I call somebody a Mrs. and she not married, that's offensive. Mm. So I say me, you know. And so in the same regard, if I'm talking to someone who is a trans man, meaning that they were born female and they transitioned to male, if I'm calling him a she, that's offensive. So it's always important to just kind of know what pronouns are. Gotcha. So would you recommend like when someone is always in, in any conversation someone all, should always ask like what are your pronouns yeah um especially when you meet new people i mean it, it takes a quick second just like just now i asked you you asked me and it was she her and then we can move on um i think it's more difficult when people know someone of their like they know them and, and someone transitions while in that relationship mm -hmm. and people have a hard time adjusting then mm -hmm. but if you're getting to know somebody for the first time, it just doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. So much, you hear so much on the news about LGBTQ community and just so many things are going on now. Um, 
and just in the news and all this other thing. So what is LGBTQ for people who maybe have no idea what that encompasses? Yeah, um, so it stands for lesbian, bisexual, um, LG, no, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. There's also a bunch of other acronyms that are added to that. <laughs> so it's much longer, actually. Um, and it encompasses a whole lot more people, um, intersex people, asexual people, um, two-spirit persons, demisexual persons. So there's a whole lot more than just LGBTQ is just like the shortened version of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we usually just write it LGBTQ plus, you know, just mm-hmm. to make sure we're inclusive. Um, so yeah, we, it is in the news and uh, a lot lately, especially around trans issues and trans mm-hmm. rights. Mm-hmm. Um, the needle society, the society has moved a lot on lesbian, lesbian and gay issues, but we're kind of behind on bisexual and trans issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and bisexual is more of an inner community thing. Like we, and I identify as bi or queer. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of pushback from within the community, but usually outside of the community, we're pretty safe. Like we don't have a lot of as much harm as lesbians or uh, men who identify as gay or people that identify as gay or trans people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, who we are the whole rainbow family (laughs) so what is this identity conflict like I've I've heard that a lot I've read that a lot in a bunch of articles what really is that identity conflict so uh, you know and and I struggle with this part as a therapist because I feel like there isn't one Hmm. and I feel like you I think identity conflict is more about how other people perceive you right and then your truth and the conflict that comes from that. Like you're pushing back against people who think that they know who you are or how you should behave or whatever the norms are in the particular culture that you're in. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is those are predetermined before you even know who you are. So I have to now have internalized conflict because society expected me and I'm a cisgender queer woman society expected me to be a very specific way to act a very specific way to follow certain scripts and now because I identify this way and I'm in a same gender marriage it looks different and I have to push back against that and so it creates some kind of internal issue within me and I don't think that's fair because I didn't ask y'all to think of me a certain way you know right I asked y'all to just love me for how I showed up and the problem is that those of us on the other side of it, we have expectations for how people should perform and how they should exist in our society or mm-hmm. present in our society. And we're not realizing how much harm we're causing by that. But I mean, there are always going to be expectations because cultures are really important and they exist and cultural right. norms are important sometimes. So I think that identity conflict is mostly about how you feel about how you should behave, present, and exist in the world versus what the expectations of your presentation and existence should be. Now, do you think that it's more difficult for people of color um, to like address this topic, not only push back externally, but also internally? Absolutely. I would argue and say nearly everything is more difficult for people of color. Yeah. Like, I just kind of feel like, uh, you know. Um, 
but you know, I, I do want to be honest and just say that, you know, um, you, when you have more than one marginalized identity, like this is some of Kimberly Crenshaw's work, right? Talking about how all those identities impact you and impact your experiences throughout the world. So of course, if I was just a white queer woman in a same gender marriage, like, yeah, I'm going to experience things as a woman and also as a queer person, but being black is just extra, you know, mm -hmm. it's gravy, but not the good kind, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Because now I have to deal with experiences as a black person, as a woman and as a queer person. Right. And it's really difficult to always try to sift through and see what my experience, like what is really like confronting which identity, because sometimes they just overlap. I don't know which prejudice I'm fighting. I might be fighting all of them. I might be fighting them just as black or queer or as a woman, but it doesn't matter because I can't dissimilate those parts of my personality and who I am. And definitely that's something that LGBTQ people of color always experiences because on top of this issue around our identity or gender, we also have to deal with race. You know. Yeah, for sure. So how would you or like what could someone do that kind of is experienced some of these same things that you're talking about? Like I know as a therapist you you get uh your clients are also talking about this. Excuse me, what do you tell them to do or how to handle this? Yeah, so with my clients, I mean, obviously it always depends on the client and what their particular experience right. and right. behavioral history is. But usually, I, I'm I'm not one of those like it'll go away kind of people. <laughs> like, no, I I teach you how to recognize what is your stuff, what is other people's stuff, and I also believe in having a very solid foundation in who you are, knowing your truths. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is just about helping people become comfortable with what their identities are because there are plenty of people of color who are also in the community who struggle with being in the community because again of what the the identity conflict that we just talked about like whether it's religious or race uh motivated like some people have a hard time reconciling that they're queer and i'm using queer as a placeholder for lgbtq period okay right okay but um you know like people struggle with that and so when they're in sessions with me, it presents in a multitude of disorders. It could be PTSD, it could be generalized anxiety, major depressive disorder. Um, they're all a, a fun little package, you know. They usually kind of come like, "Hey, what y'all doing? Let's hang out together," kind of thing, you know. <laughs> um, and codependency. And I usually teach clients about how to recognize what their triggers are, um, effective coping strategies for combating those triggers. And also conflict resolution, because that's really important when you're dealing with micro and macro aggressive behavior. Yeah. Can you explain to people what the difference is between micro and macro um, behavior, aggressive behavior, excuse me? Um, little and big, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, micro aggressive behaviors are very small, it's direct, it's, it's me and you interacting with each other. So, you know, you could be. Uh, microaggressive towards me, I experienced microaggressions aggressions in our relationship. That's a very direct one-to-one -one thing. It's very personalized. However, macroaggressions could be systems issues, right? Like um, unjust laws, like um, the, the Carol North Carolina bathroom laws against trans persons. 
um, some of Mississippi's laws around therapists and how they're required to treat LGBTQ people. Like things like that are mi- macroaggressive. Mm-hmm. Microaggressive is me being at the office party and I bring my wife and my coworkers are just like, oh, I didn't know you were doing this. You know, that right. kind of very personal individual. Right, right, right. So if someone, like I think you are awesome, but when you have people who are looking for someone such as yourself for therapy, right? Like I, cause you have someone that can be listening to the podcast podcast and say, you know what? She sounds awesome. I want to get with her. What's some things that they should look for when trying to seek a therapist um, with this knowledge? Like what any type of qualifications or um, anything like that that should stand out to them when they're trying to find a therapist for themselves? Right. Um, so I always, I'm always really cautious about this part because I try to tell clients, start from demographics. What demographics would you be most comfortable with when you're talking to someone? So gender, race, age, like those things are really important. Um, I personally could not sit down across from an old white woman, older white woman and talk to her about my issues. But what we, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> like I, just, I would not be comfortable. And I wouldn't even be comfortable with a young black man unless he was gay. Mm-hmm. That would be it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... I think demographics are really important, first of all, but I understand how, especially in a rural environment, right. that's not always plausible. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, if you cannot filter for demographics that make you comfortable, maybe even just looking at what their specialties are, maybe where they went to school, because um, some schools don't always have the best reputation <laughs> or, I was trying to find it you know? right I heard you <laughs> some schools you know some schools don't some schools are very um, so I'll just say like um some schools are really like heavily religious based mm-hmm. and for some clients they're not necessarily looking for religion to be incorporated into their therapeutic experience and I think that it's important for you to know like who you be comfortable talking that's just the face mm-hmm. and the easiest um clients that I have ever experienced as a therapist are always the ones who had a very particular vision about what they who they wanted to talk to now what you think you're gonna come into therapy for and what your therapist probably concerns you to help with might be different <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you know like I get clients that just be like yeah it's just anxiety not like no you'll have no anxiety that's literally not the problem so, you know, I would just say, you know, of course, like uh, financial stuff and insurance, absolutely uh, proximity, um, accessibility, if you're a differently able person. Um, but definitely my favorite thing to ask when possible is filter through demographics. Who would you prefer to talk to? If they have a, like media, like on their website and stuff like that, go listen to some interviews that they've done to make sure that they're not weird because therapists are weird and they're people too. And we have bias (laughs) and judgment. And I just, I feel like people forget that because I know some really good therapists who are fantastic, um, but they're not very good people. (laughs) Mm. And I also know some terrible people who are also terrible therapists. Mm -hmm. So please don't go into it just blindly just saying like, I am, this is who this is. Date around with your therapist, you know, if possible. Um, shop around, ask questions. You're allowed to ask your therapist questions. Right. Make sure that this is a good fit for you is always the big thing for me. 
So however you need to do that, whether it's demographics or finances or, you know, perusing their website and looking them up for interviews and stuff that they've done, I suggest that. So what are some tips for anyone um, in the LGBTQ plus community when they're trying to find their tribe? Like I get a lot of questions about that. Like, hey, I need a support system. Um, to help me in this journey of even getting to whatever that is, whatever journey that is for them, how, like, what's some ways for them to start building that community? Yeah, I would just say go to some LGBTQ events if you can in, in, the, in your places. Um, and again, this is privilege of living in a metropolitan area, right? Mm-hmm. And I am from Mississippi. And I found community too. <laughs> you know, I'm from Clarksdale, Mississippi. This is rural. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think finding community through possibly like online um, as well, if it's not available in your area. Um, I mean, I met most of my community honestly through social media, and I think that that can be really powerful for you know LGBTQ people, especially. Um, we call them uh, cutie pox, so queer and trans people of color. So hmm. especially for those people who are definitely struggling, because there's almost always some white LGBTQ organization or something in major cities and even in some rural areas. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that don't always work for us that are black and brown. Right. And so we have to find our own communities. And I think quite often where we find them is through um social media and through that you may find more local events go to some queer events around town just see you know and just find your tribe well you can't say find your tribe because that is you know not okay with american indian native american people so i usually say find your community well thank you so much for being on with us today how can people find you um, if they want to connect with you, if they want to come in for a session or whatever you have available, how can they find you? Well, um, you know, if you're in the D.C. area, uh, please don't just show up at my office. You know, call an email first. You know, I'm not a walk-in therapist. But you can send me an email at G at Magnolia M Health. You can visit my website, which is magnoliamhealth.com. I'm also listed as a female therapist. Um, I am on all social medias as Magnolia M Health. So M as in uh, mental. Well, thanks again for being on with us today. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful. And I love the work that you all are doing. Oh, thank you.